just want to invite you all to a very special occasion before I preach uh, from the Word of God. We're going to have a baby shower for little Elena. So it's the first girl in their family. And so that's going to be not this Monday night or evening, but next Monday evening at at what time? 5 to 6.30. There's going to be a light supper, uh, soup and sandwiches, fruit, things like that, at the Ardmore Seventh-day Adventist Church. And so that's May 21st, May 21st. So you're welcome to come, and we'll be celebrating uh, little Elena, which... Okay, it's a diaper and wet wipes party. My wife is telling me all the announcements I need to make. So uh, let's bow our heads one more time as we open God's Word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that You please help our minds to be spiritual this morning. Help us to be lifted above this world and the distractions in it. And help us to be blessed with Your truth in preparation for Your coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the book of Luke, let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Mary is having a discussion with her son, Jesus. Now, was Jesus Joseph's son? Yes and no, right? Uh, He was in the sense that he was subject to his authority, but he wasn't genetically a son of Joseph. So it says in verse 46, And it came to pass that after three days they found him, him being Jesus, in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Okay, how old is Jesus? Verse 42, it says, When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Now, these were brilliant men. These were studied men. They were studied in philosophy. They were studied in the sciences and mathematics. These were members of the Sanhedrin. You had to be 40 years old in order to be in the Sanhedrin, as well as you had to be very educated You couldn't have any physical blemishes. You had to be of good health. And you had to be a parent because it was uh, noted that you were probably going to be more compassionate if you were a parent. So these men that Jesus was talking with in verse 46, he was asking them questions. These were the strongest, the best minds of the entire nation. And how old is Jesus again? He's 12. Verse 47 says, All that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. How did this happen? How did this happen? The work of a Christian mother is more important than the work of a minister in the pulpit or a king on his throne or the President of the United States of America. Because all those people that I just mentioned had mothers. (laughs) Amen? They all had mothers. And so it's aptly said that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Jesus had wisdom and understanding 
Notice verse 51. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. We're going to go back and, and read what those were. But verse 52 says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Why? Because if you go down, uh, go back rather, go up to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And it says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came, came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. So God needed the mother of Jesus to be connected to him, to have the Lord with her. Notice with me that the angel wasn't sent to Joseph first. Okay? Notice with me there. The angel is sent to Mary because she was going to have the primary responsibility of training the young mind who would one day hold a group of the highest minds completely spellbound and astonished at the age of 12. And eventually minister to the needs of humanity and die for the sins of the world. And so the Lord needed to be with her, verse 28. And so she needed to be blessed among women. Verse 29, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying <clears throat> and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this, this should be. So she was humble, right? She wasn't like, oh yeah, it's about time someone noticed. <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, I've got all these wonderful qualifications and finally, where have you been, Gabriel? She says, what kind of salutation is this? I don't get this. The angel said to her, fear not, Mary, verse 30, for you have found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus or Yeshua. He shall be great and shall be called the son of who? The highest. She's not, or I'm sorry, he's not just your son, Mary. He's not just your son. He is the son of the highest, right? So let's go now back to where we came from. The son of God, chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, has his mother come to him. Okay, the son of the highest. He shall be that holy thing that should be born of you shall be the son of God. And if you haven't picked up on it, tomorrow's Mother's Day. Right? So, Mary comes to him, verse 48. When they saw him, Mary and Joseph, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why have you thus dealt with us? Was Jesus only her son? Who, who else could claim Jesus as his son? God, right? The son of the highest, it says. The son of God. So she says, son, why have you dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I. And who does she mean when she said that? She meant Joseph. 
Your father and I, Joseph and I, have saw you sorrowing. They took their eyes on, off Jesus and they lost him for a day. And as a result of losing him for a day, it took four days of anxious searching to find him, just like we. If we take our eyes off Jesus, if we neglect Bible study, if we neglect prayer, we neglect worshiping together with the saints, it can take a while before we get connected again, how we really used to be. But it's worth it. And so they finally found him, they said, and then they blamed Jesus. And sometimes we blame Jesus for being separated from him. When really, we're the ones that should have been watching him. Amen? So she says, how is it that you have dealt thus with us? your father and I. But then notice his response, verse 49. And you need to see in context of 48 what this means. He said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Don't you know, or didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? And so he claimed, who is his father? Did he say Joseph was his father there? No. At that point, Mary probably understood that Jesus knew that Joseph wasn't his real father. Because he said, why did you seek me? I have to be about my father's business. Don't you know that? And it wasn't Joseph's business that he was talking about there. Okay? And so, 52, verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. Now, at some point... At some point, they were seeing his separation from them. He increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. How did Jesus increase in these things? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. It tells us how Jesus increased. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, forget not my law. But let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them upon thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shall you find what? Favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And here the promise is, is that if you don't forget the law of God, but you keep his commandments. And did Jesus keep the commandments? Did Jesus ever lie or steal or do anything wrong at all? Break the Sabbath? No, he did not. He kept the word of God and he, he, wrote, he had them on his heart. And therefore, verse four, he found favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So Luke 2.52 says that Jesus went home with his parents, right? He increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. But remember, he had favor with those doctors, right? In the temple. He had favor with them. And see, God wants his children to excel. God wants his children to grow and to continually make advancement. It's his privilege that he would see his children grow like this. So wherever we are in our experience, we can claim this promise. My son, don't forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. Sometimes we think that we're going to prosper by going away from what God has said. We will never truly prosper. It doesn't mean that we will have a life free from difficulty if we do what God's word says. In fact, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus 
will suffer persecution. We're told that. And was Jesus persecuted? Yes, but he grew and his character developed and he was noble and righteous because of his father's blessing. So let's go to John 15 and we'll see how this can happen in our own lives. John 15, verse 5. We'll start with verse 1. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bring forth fruit, more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. It's a hard lesson that we must learn in life, is that apart from Jesus, no good thing really does happen. It may seem like it's prospering, it may seem like the money is coming rolling in when we disobey God's law and we don't take the day off that God has reserved sacred. It may seem like we're doing good to cheat and lie for a little bit. But in the end, it turns into bitter fruit because only Jesus' way really brings forth fruit. Isn't that what it says? Without me, you can do nothing. One of my favorite stories which... I may have told here, but I'm going to retell, is uh, my friend who lived in Peru. And his name was Gilberto. And Gilberto had a job as a foreman on a construction uh, electrical contracting um, organization site. Or he worked for, for an electrical contractor as a foreman, I should say. And <clears throat> it, it came down to an ultimatum where he was told, you have to either come to work this Saturday or else don't come back to work on Monday. And this was uh, during a uh, depression, actually, not a recession, but a depression. And the uh, the pay was so horrible for average people that you, you'd work all day and just come out with like enough to buy a loaf of bread, basically. So it was like working for a dollar a day, and then you could buy some bread, and that was it. So he had a foreman's salary, which was good, and so this was a big sacrifice for him. And so he told his boss, he said, I'm sorry, I cannot. I cannot come to work. And he said, well, then don't come back on Monday. And he said, okay, well, you know I don't work. I don't know why this is coming up now, because I've been working for you for years, and you've understood that I don't work on, the, on Saturday. So he decided to go to church. And his friends at church, they said, Gilberto, man, you've got to just... He just wants you to come this, this, this week only, right? So just go. What's the problem? And Gilberto said, no, I can't do that because, you know, God's law is holy. I need to follow what God has told me to do. And they said, that's just foolishness because you need to provide for your family. So who do you listen to? Do you listen to God or do you listen to man? You listen to God. And so he decided he was going to trust the Lord. Now, there's an amazing promise in Isaiah 33. It says that your bread and your water will be sure. 
So he that walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he that despises the gain of oppression, shakes his hand from holding of bribes, stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, shuts his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him. His waters shall be sure. Speaking of water, can one of my kids bring me a little water? Is there a water bottle there? Thank you, sweetie. So, Gilberto, he doesn't go to work on Monday. And doesn't have anywhere to go, so he just stays home. Tuesday, the same thing. He wakes up, doesn't go to work because he has nowhere to go. So he's just in his pajamas. It's like 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. And here comes the, the chauffeur for his boss. He says, Gilberto, what are you doing in your pajamas? He said, well, I don't have any place to go, and I may as well just stay home. He said, well, the boss needs you to come to work right now. He said, no, the boss told me I can't come to work. He said, no, the boss told me to come and get you. He said, if the boss wants me to come to work, he'll have to come and explain why, because he already told me not to. So he trusted God more than man. Amen? So he waited. The boss comes up, drives up. He's like, get to work right now. We need you. He said, you've already told me not to. What's the change? He said, look, I'll pay you extra. Just come. He said, no, I want to know why. He said, I'll give you more vacation time. Just come. So it turns out that Gilberto kept all the guys on the site from stealing from the job sites that they were working on. And then the people that they were working for knew that this guy was honest and they never were missing things when Gilberto's team was there. They weren't missing, you know, construction materials and whatever else. And things got done. And as soon as they found out that Gilberto wasn't working, all the contracts started to disappear. And the contractor was losing all this work. And everyone knew that Gilberto wasn't on the job anymore. And so he said, I need this guy back. I need this guy back. So the Lord can take care of us. Amen? Now, without Jesus, truly, we can do nothing. We're coming to a time, the most solemn time in Earth's history. And what messages go out to the world in these final times? Does anyone know the chapter that has the last messages to mankind? It's in Revelation chapter 14. And it says, verse 7 of Revelation 14, it says, Fear God and give glory to Him. Don't fear man. Don't be afraid. Jesus said, Fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't fear the judgment of men. It's more important to fear the judgment of God than the judgment of men. So fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. And worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Now the judgment is very, very serious. Very serious. In fact, this is what Jesus said. He said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, He says, Every idle word that men speak... In other words, our time is so valuable and the, the, the resource of our, of our lips is so precious to share the gospel with people, to, to tell people about salvation, to bring them to Christ, that he says that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. I mean, that's like a strict accounting, right? That's what Jesus said. That's not what the preacher said. Amen? So you read it. Matthew twelve thirty six. It's there. Every idle word. And what does it say in Ecclesiastes 12, the scripture reading? It says, 
Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. And you tell me if this is in harmony with the first angel's message. So the first angel says, Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. This is what Ecclesiastes says, Solomon. He says, This is the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now the amazing thing about the gospel is that Jesus can do anything to save us. Amen? Anything. There is no one beyond His reach. And I'm talking about no one like the worst convict, the worst serial killer, the worst of the worst. Jesus can save anybody. His reach is not limited. So is there anything in our characters that He cannot change? Is he like, well, usually I help people to be more kind, but you, you will have to stay mean because I just can't make you kind. Or, you know, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Temperance, right? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Oh, well, temperance. Yeah, I, you know, I can help so-and-so with their heroin. I can help so-and-so with their alcohol. But you with your smoking? Can't do it. It's too much for me. No such thing. Amen? There's no such thing. Jesus has power to release from any addiction. Now, I stand before you not as someone that's lily white that has never sinned. Amen? I, I mean, I, I used to, my favorite drug was more. Okay? That was the name of mine. The drug of choice was more. And it didn't matter what it was. You know, as long as I could get my hands on it. But the Lord... Instead of drugs, He's given me His Word. He's given me joy in the promises of the Scriptures. And by the way, if you want something to keep you happy, try running. <laughs> running actually, uh, or exercise, aerobic exercise, uh, gets endorphins going in your brain. And you actually, you get a good addiction to exercise. <laughs> you get a good addiction where... I, I mean, nothing is going to stand in my way. I'm going to find a way to find some time to exercise. Amen? <laughs> okay? So it's something natural that God has given. And there are other ways to do things, but everything is going to come under judgment. That's what the Bible says. So, Revelation 14, verse 7. Fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And then verse 8 says, There followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. See, Jesus knows that what some people will do is say, I don't need to fear God. I don't need to worry about any judgment. I don't need to worship Him that made heaven and earth. I'm my own person. I've got Babylon to back me up. Look at all these people. They're all doing the things that I'm being told not to do. I'll be safe within her walls. And that's why the second angel comes and says, no, you're not safe there. It's not safe in Babylon. Babylon has fallen. <laughs> it's fallen. Don't depend on that. Do you remember the night that Babylon fell? What did Belshazzar do? Belshazzar had a big feast, right? He had a big feast. He had a big drunken feast. Lots of alcohol, lots of women. All his concubines were there. He had his idols there. And it never entered his mind that this was the last party that he would attend. Never entered his mind. It's not safe in Babylon. Everything is going to fall. Now, your friends might say, 
Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, no, God's word is not serious about that. I know God said that, but he didn't mean it. Those are the words of the serpent. God does mean what he says. And so that hand wrote on the wall, what did it write on the, on the, on the wall of Babylon there? It wrote, you are weighed in the balances, many, many, tekel, you farsin. You'd, you've been weighed in the balances. What is that? When you see a pair of balances on a courthouse, what does that mean? It means justice, right? It means judgment. So you're weighed against your opportunity. Wait, but Belshazzar, all he did was he had one party. What's the problem with that? Well, he was weighed against what he knew. Daniel, when he came in, he said, although you knew all that God has done, you knew that God had humbled your father Nebuchadnezzar, and yet you still rebelled against him. So Belshazzar is weighed in the balances, and that's how we're all weighed. We're not weighed at, yeah, but look at that guy. Look what he's doing, and he's still going to church. Oh, no. We're not judged according to other people. Amen? We're judged according to the light that we've received. What is the light that we've received? And to that light, we are judged. That's what James 4.17 says. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him that is, it is sin. So you've been weighed, it says, in the balances, in the judgment, and you have been found wanting. Now, the good news is, I'll show you the good news. Let's go to Revelation 22. Here's the good news. The good news is that there, are, there will be those that surrender everything to Jesus. Okay? Notice verse 11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. That's not very good news, is it? But it's true. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. Neither is that very good news. But notice this. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And verse 12, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Verse 14 says, Blessed. What are they? They're blessed. Blessed are they that do His commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without the city are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and makes a lie. Drop down to the end, verse 19. It says, we'll, we'll do 18 actually. It says, For I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. Have I added anything today? Have you seen for yourself that what I've said is in here? It's in here, right? I haven't added anything. Okay, now notice verse 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. There is a group here, and they are sealed. They're, they've been found faithful. And Jesus says, He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. 
because they've allowed God to work a work of transformation. No one has saved themselves, but they have allowed Jesus to transform them so that they're no longer committing adultery. They're no longer stealing. They're no longer lying. Why? Because the law of God is written in their foreheads, in their hearts, in their minds. And I want this experience. We're living in the days of judgment. There is no other work that's more important than training our little ones for the kingdom and also ourselves preparing for that great day. Who wants to be ready when Jesus comes? I do. Let's sing our closing song and then we'll pray.